HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Good afternoon, Greenhorns. We are here once again on Thursday, as is usual, as is our as is our custom, with radio by young farmers for young farmers. We've got music in the background. We've got beer in the foreground. We've got pizza, pizza all around here at Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and I'm joined today um, on our radio show, which is as usual by young farmers, for young farmers, um, my wonderful friend Natsuko Urchino from Greene County, New York. Hello. Hello, Severin. Hello, Natsuko. Now, Natsuko, maybe the first thing we could do, and thank you so much for being here, the first thing we could do is you could introduce yourself um, as a farmer and maybe maybe I'll also start with yourself as an, as an artist. Okay. Start, start with being an artist? Well, you start where you want to start, I guess. Okay. Well, so I farm this piece of land in Greene County uh, in the town of Cornwallville uh, with Peter Naden, uh, who's an artist and was my professor at Cooper Union, a class entitled um, Science of the Mind, and um, Anne Kennedy, who runs Art and Commerce. Uh, and uh, the land is about... Um, uh, hundred fifty, Most of it is forest, and that's the kind of particularity of our region is that we're sort of um, elevated, probably like 1,400 feet, and it's mostly woods. And so our kind of regional uh, particularity and should be our specialty is agroforestry. Um, so let's, let's describe a little bit. Where is Green County? And what is the what is going on in Greene County? Um, so it's it's upstate New York, um, about at the you know uh, south of Al- Albany, north of Poughkeepsie, on the west side of the Hudson River. That's where it is. And what goes and, on in uh, Greene County right now? What what characterizes Greene County? Um, oh yeah. So okay. So what we're working on is trying to um, work with local farmers to kind of pull produce to pull um, to transport it back to um, the metropolitan area where there's a kind of thriving market for local uh, local food and um, the the problem here is that um, well we're very close to the water reservoir 
I guess it's not a problem. Um, but it, what it um, meant is that there's a lot of legislation that keeps industry at bay, which is kind of a beautiful thing. But then that also means there's not that many jobs. Um, so it's it's pretty economically disenfranchised, and then you know it kind of uh, means also that that you know education system and stuff is also not so uh, thriving. Um, and then farming, you know, is not doing so great here um, right now because I guess the growing season is really short. And then you know I don't know. There's these like histories of things that didn't work out. Like they they were doing a lot of pasture dairy. Um, but I guess that there is not such, such a easy place to be if you're a small-scale farm. Um, and, yeah, and then the wood stuff is really not very popular, the uh, growing mushrooms and ginseng and kind of foraging um, is not very – it hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but I think it's really great if you can grow mushrooms on logs in the woods and kind of let it be. I think it's a beautiful idea, and it would also be – you know, there's a great demand for it, I think, also, because most mushrooms that you find in the market in the Northeast are grown in greenhouses and in, in controlled environment. So you're talking a lot about the vision you have um, for that land that you're farming now, and already there's a lot going on with goats and pigs and gardens and greenhouses. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm always struck with, struck by when I come and visit there is the legacy of leisure in Green County and the many villages of uh, leisure facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those buildings, yeah. So they're, the, they're, they're like these vacation camps. And they're almost like summer camps, but for grown-ups, and they have little cabins. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, what time period was that? It's like 80s, 70, 80s maybe? People would come up for the summer or go hunting or even, I, I don't know, 70s, 80s? I, I, th- I think it started even earlier. Um, okay. And I think that that maybe it was already in its decline. Um, there's a okay. wonderful movie called uh, Dirty Dancing. Maybe some people have heard of that. And that movie yeah, takes... Yeah, exactly what it is. But then they're in ruins now. They're beautiful structures. Some of them are beautiful and they're, you know, ready for people to move in. Well, most of them, not most of them, but a lot of them got burned down. Anything for, you know, insurance or something? Yeah, so there's these kind of really weird uh, leisure relics uh, scattered around. Oh, yeah, but some of them are a little bit like ghost towns. Like, if you go towards Maplecrest and stuff, it's a little bit grim, ultimately, I think. But there's this great place. It's called Catskill Mountain Foundation, um, and they took over one of these vacation camps and made it into a cultural center. So there's a pottery studio and a weaving center. There's a library um, and that's that's them, and the whole town is was this vacation camp or leisure camp, and they're slowly kind of bringing it back to life. There's a farm too. There's these Japanese farmers. Um, this is called the Catskill into. Mountain Foundation. Yeah, I think that they're they're the people who kind of run it or fund it, and then I guess it's called Maplecrest or Sugar Maples. It's in it's the town of Maplecrest. It's kind of incredible when you drive through it because that's really the only thing that's in the town. The this this structure and then some of it is totally state of the art renovated. You know, you have all these studios and then some of it's still kind of like not picked up yet. And it's been ten years or however long they've been working on it because it you know it takes a while I guess to 
get it all cleaned up. So things take a while to happen, and I've been also on the phone lately with a woman from Greene County um, who's working on starting a beginning farmer incubator in Greene County, mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. quite rightly that this entrepreneurial spirit of the young farmers has the potential to be a real economic development boon. Mm-hmm. Boon, mm-hmm. boon, 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 boon. It would be so great. It would be so great because there's a lot of land that's lying kind of fallow and is t- being fields that are kind of becoming shrub and then will ultimately become back forest. Um, all of those could be used for farming. There's a lot of empty buildings. And then it, what I would like to see happen, it would be really wonderful if that if Young Farmer Incubator Program could uh, um, kind of integrate like a youth program with local kids as well. So like bring young farmers from all over wherever because they can't find lions, they can come and farm in Green County, and then there can be this kind of intergenerational, educational, you know, thing. And and hopefully make, give, give farming the, back the kind of dignity that, you know, it deserves, because I think the most problematic, or not problematic, but what I found the most... Troublesome, mm, troublesome. Troublesome. Talking to youth around here is not only that they don't have a lot of uh, public, there's there's no public space, there's no public transport, so, you know, it's hard for, for youth culture to thrive, but also is that, they're, you know, not, that farming is not a career option that's attractive. So you're, t- you're tuning into something that is very obvious um, if you're getting your, and I quote our Secretary of Agriculture, Vilsec, what he calls a values training. And that's the training in, in values that you get growing up in rural America. He says the values training that rural youth are receiving is that farming is not a viable career choice. And in fact, 45% of our armed servicemen and women in this country are coming from rural areas, even though only one-sixth of our population live in rural areas. So mm-hmm. it's very, very clear when you're, when you're in and p- a part of the culture of a rural place that that mm-hmm. very negative... Uh, perception of 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 agriculture exists here when we're Mm -hmm. in brooklyn everybody thinks it's thrilling to be a farmer and you know there is a huge amount of energy around um, the growing of businesses and farms but but i think it's really important to remind ourselves that that is not the case um Mm -hmm. everywhere and and not all corridors um is that enthusiasm and i think maybe that's what the most important part is to bridge those communities and kind of you know have have a more nurturing relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. And have it not be antagonistic. Because, because all these, there's all these interns, or there's all these young people from the cities that are, you know, extremely excited to go to farms, and then they can't really find good farms. But the farmers that I talk to, they're all looking for interns. You know, the restaurant people that I talk to, they're all looking for great food. And, you know, farmers up here are like, ah, oh, well, we don't make any money. You know, I, it's, so I think it's it's really ripe for it to uh, come together. I think it's just that, you know, we really have to work on sort of dovetailing these communities in, in a, you know, productive kind of equal exchange. You know, like, because it's all really close, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I go back and forth a lot. Some peop- people in my region in, in Green County, they I guess they don't go back so much because we're a little bit aside from the, main transit, like, from, from the Hudson River, it's a little bit far. It's, like, maybe 20, 25 miles. But, I mean, that's also what kept the region 
protected, so it's hard to, you know, it's, it's not black and white, obviously, but anyways, it would be nice to work with, like, Amtrak or something to be able to transit all this food or something. I don't know. So there's lots and lots of visions and really creative uh, imaginings that you have about how the work that you're doing could relate to the larger um, narrative in this valley and in this county and how to we could you know reimagine things working and, and, and engaging with systems. But let's talk about what you've been experiencing and doing there on the farm. And in particular, maybe you could talk about your pigs and the relationship you have had with your pigs and the processing of your pigs. And um, I think you just recently met with a pretty famous a pig man. Maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Okay. Well, well, our farm. Um, I um, I'm very uh, the thing that I um, get the most satisfaction out of. I would say is the is the ecology within the farm. How different things fit into each other. Um, but it's true. The pigs have been kind of our great livestock, and also that's the one thing that kind of. Have been, has been going out of the farm because um, it's, it's a lot of meat, I guess. Um, so we raised Amherst pigs for about three years, and then we've uh, raised a sister Old Spots for about a year, and then we also uh, raised some um, hybrid Berkshire and Tam. Um, they're all, you know, wonderful pigs. We are going to start breeding this year, so I don't even have any breeding experience. I think it's very important to get into the whole breeding thing, not only for, you know, kind of being a good source of um, heritage breed pigs, I guess. I, I don't know if I want to support too much the hype of that, but the, generally I think propagation and having a landscape-specific um, animal, same thing with the plants, kind of working the the... The generations with with the landscape to try to have something the more and more um, site specific and kind of the breeds that work the best with the climate and that kind of can resist. I mean, it's kind of trying to make sense of the crops that you have to the region that you're working, and I think it it can only come from um, seed saving and breeding and you know work and stewarding uh, year after year. So um, this is a year. So oh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, that's your emphasis is is looking at the breeds. You're you're growing, you're raising Tamworth, Gloucester Old Spot, and then uh, Tamworth uh, crosses, and you're mm-hmm. with an eye. You're you're with you're doing this with an eye to understanding which breeds make the most sense in in your forest ecology because you're growing. Mm-hmm. You're raising them underneath the shade of. Um, well, those are pines, aren't they? Yeah, they're in this pine spot. And then, you know, we're hoping to move them into this oak area because um, last year we were kind of picking picking acorns for them, which was, you know, a little bit crazy and absurd, like a little Beckett play, uh, picking acorns. But, um, yeah, kind of move them around into the oak area without having them kind of destroy it completely because, you know, if you leave them there too long, they'll just kind of wreck the woods, and then you won't have anything left the year after. So it's kind of a negotiation. But we feed them, you know, we feed them grain, uh, organic grain, this really beautiful organic grain that we get from Cold Spring Farm, which is in Middleburg. Um, and, the, and, then, and then we kind of really bump it up at the end um, when they're about, 
you know, over 200 pounds. We kind of really bump it up with, and that's where you can work their flavor particularly, apparently. And, oh, yeah, and then, okay, so you, the second part of the question is processing the pig. That's also been a really beautiful experience in raising the animal is, you know, you, you take care of them, then they get slaughtered, and then you have to butcher them. You have to kind of figure out all the parts that you have and work with how to preserve it all because um, obviously you're not going to eat eight pigs in in one day. And, and also pig is, it doesn't, the meat doesn't last as long. I mean, it's not like beef where you can kind of age it and work with it without curing or anything. So we've made hams and, um, you know, all different kind of cures, um, dry cures, bacon, pancetta, um, yeah, we're, and we made all these pâtés and blood sausage. I guess our concept was noble cuts, humble cuts. So we, we had these noble cuts that were the service kind of uh, roast, the, the cuts that people are most familiar with in restaurants, and then also just kind of family roast. We, we slaughtered our pig at the uh, end of the year, so it was kind of a holiday season, so it worked out. And so we had these beautiful um, noble cuts, the roast. And then everything else... We, we labeled it as a, the humble cut, but that was really what was the most beautiful and fun to make, all these different pâtés and working out different combinations and, and, and also preserving um, without having to freeze everything because that's kind of, you know, a back uh, default uh, solution that's a contemporary, uh, um, we, um, contemporary luxury, but... Um, all the other kind of traditions of preserving meat, I think, is really great. Like, uh, so see some sec. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So we're talking about we're talking about the preservation of meat, the cuts of meat that are coming from your pigs, and the process for mm-hmm. you as an artist, um, learning about that like incredible urgency that you have to have when you have six pigs hanging, um, trying to mm-hmm. keep them cold and getting everything done, hustling every everything along and um Mm -hmm. and also marketing you know it's a different it's a different beast entirely having an artistic and experimental and observational relationship with this process and with these pigs and your forest and your kind of the Mm -hmm. intimacy of your own farm organism but then bringing that out into the world um well it's it's different tell me the marketing part was fine because the again really the if you were so close to the metropolitan area and, you know, the kind of disposable income and, and, the, and also support that there is for, for, you know, whatever good food. And, you know, that's also another parenthesis of should this kind of high-quality meat become kind of a bourgeois commodity, that's, that's something else. But I don't know if I can take responsibility for that. But... The most important part is kind of planning your your hot, where all that meat's going to go before you slaughter the pig because you know once you have the meat then then it's, it's then t- that's all you do is kind of work it through. So that I think that's the only really difficult part is the planning and then the transport and then the real difficult part is the regulations. And that's not something as an artist that you maybe have had to deal with. Um, I don't know. You know, I I um. I don't know. Um, I, well, you know, I mean, everybody has to deal with life and, like, paying rent and stuff, I think. You know, that's just, that's just that. But the regulations, is, is, it's crazy. It's really crazy because, um, I mean, 
Yeah, it's crazy. You can't make your own piece, your 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 piece of bacon. I mean, it's the whole what is it? Uh, Joel Salatin book. Everything I want to do is illegal. And and the real problem is that it's all based for. I mean, from what I can see, is that it's those those regulations are written for bigger dudes. And then if you only raise eight pigs, it's kind of a then 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 it doesn't make sense to have a whole stainless steel like with a bathroom and an office for a USDA officer to work there every day. You know. Mm-hmm. But so. So yeah, that I would say that's the biggest challenge in working with meat is planning, cooling, and regulatory frameworks that are inhospitable mm-hmm. to the uh, startup phase, mm-hmm. particularly. Now, apart from the meat, you have some other projects going on, and I haven't yet yeah. heard very much about your art practice, and we don't have that long of a show, so let's make sure okay, we talk okay, about okay. that. Um, well, so I'm a, I'm a interdisciplinary. I'm a I was an intermediate artist, like working with different mediums. I uh, went to school in New York City. Um, I was doing some sculptures and filmmaking, uh, films on film. Um, and then after I graduated from school, I started doing pottery, and and then the farming kind of integrated itself with um, with with my general practice, and that you know is it's really um, enlightening when you can have a true intradisciplinary practice as opposed to intermediate. So that was a really good thing for me. And then right now I'm working on this um, the the second issue of my uh, uh, zine, uh, which is on the subject of intellectual property. Um, and knowledge production, um, and that's a real kind of research project that's spanning really art and agriculture. So it will, you know, take taking people like um, Critical Art Ensemble and Steve Kurtz. They they were artists, um, but they were working on um, they they made these kind of like social sculptures um, about Monsanto and GMOs, and then ultimately, you know, he was. Um, on trial for a really long time, and you know, so that's a really kind of important example of how those issues that are really kind of at stake right now in the contemporary landscape really um, become um, uh, they, you, you, there's a real you gain a lot um, in your the critical view from accessing those issues like intellectual property from are from two different disciplines and if you can more you know why not that would be great um well and so so much of the time um it seems like your perception of farming and the issues around farming that that kind of swirl around us as we are out there in the field doing things um you know i'm coming at it with my own perceptions and analysis as somebody who's really a, a, a student of this of the young farmers movement and you are coming so often and so refreshingly from an art theory perspective and i mm-hmm. really relish our relationship because you are coming from that different discipline and that we are having a mm-hmm. cross-disciplinary conversation around our common experience in farming yeah the well the appreciation is 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 mutual i i also kind of appreciate um the platform that um the kind of social platform that you've created uh throughout your events and kind of general um uh, advocacy work, um, and, and yeah, it's it's really um, it makes it a lot more interesting. I must say, for me as an artist. Well, and you to as work an artist, these active platforms, 
these active platforms and these active platforms are obviously so much more fun when Natsuko is making soap explosions uh, and and we had a wonderful um, we are we're only working for the earth we have no other motivation we don't make we don't make soap for any other purpose but to make cleanliness and the explosions that happened were purely accidental but the um, the when I speak with you and talk about these events and, and as we're conceiving these events and understanding the dynamic of of planning again planning and procedure and also the spirit that um, the spirit that informs our curation of that event and the the very profound collaboration that happens and it's very unique to each pl- place and to each event mm-hmm. that really um, you know, as 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 that's become such a big part of our Greenhorns practice is really um, inspiring me. I mean, I'm really seeing it as a practice, and I'm really starting to understand it's a lot more than just logistics. It has a lot to do with uh, organizational theory and with um, mm-hmm. with a value with a value set that you bring uh, in your emphasis, in your attitude, in your approach, mm-hmm. and, and and that's think, your yeah, that's your consciousness, Natsuko, that you're bringing to me. Oh, well, that's really great. I mean, I think it it, it works together. Um, um, but I, you know, it's like what you said about. Well, actually, that's what you said about serving country food. But it's really important to kind of figure out ways to rekindle the social fabric, and you know, and you said that about rural areas. But I think it's about rural areas and like, you know, urban areas and how they bridge too. But kind of, uh, and I think that's all we can do as artists is, or you know, uh, or activists is to um, catalyze that and, and bring it together, you know? Artists, activists, agriculturalists, we want you all. We want you all in the Greenhorns world. We want you all to come to the next Greenhorns events, um, of which there are many, many, many coming up. Um, I'm joined today on the radio by Natsuko Urchino from Green County, New York. Oldfield Farm. Oh, okay, so there's a. Can we advertise the um, uh, the radio benefit uh, yeah. in Fog and Thistle uh, CSA uh, low income shares uh, benefit party at Community Farm Germantown. Yes. On nine G uh, tomorrow starts at three p.m. Workshop, skill shares, dinner party, um, auction. I have some uh, lardo and uh, illegal lardo and um, the ceramic in the auction. Uh, so what's, what we're and talking about is an event that's happening tomorrow. For radio. Tomorrow or today? Tomorrow, tomorrow, and it's for a community. It's for a community radio, radio, local radio, Green County and Columbia County, and it's and they're fundraising for Tower for Radio Tower, so they can be on the real radio. So we're talking about buying the infrastructure to create an institution that is of service to and created by the community, inside the community, for the community. Well, Wayne, woe and behold, this is exactly what we want. Advertised on a radio. (laughs) Advertised on another radio. Um, And it's done by and out of a farm called Germantown Farm, which is on Route 9G, and you can easily Google it, or you could easily email me if you need the directions. Uh, Tomorrow night is a workshops, auction, benefit, party, uh, you know, bring something to contribute. And, and, and bring a few dollars for them to help them buy this um, critical piece of equipment that they need to, to bring live 
a whole bunch of programming uh, relevant to the me, mo, many of whom are young farmers. So, one more minute. It's Greenhorns Radio. We're sponsored by Hearst Ranch and by other people, and we're thankful so much to uh, Heritage Radio for putting up with our difficult format problems that we always have as awkward, um, slightly, slightly delinquent uh, young activists. And uh, remind everybody that they have got to be part of uh, what's going on and have got to engage their imaginations and their innovative spirit in the creation of new businesses, new farms, big ideas, and, um, and long, happy lives spent outdoors. So thank you, Natsuko, for being uh, the art aspect. Thank you for all of you for being the ag aspect. Talk to you soon. You can stay. But you'll come home some old long time.